State Senator Scott Bennett joins us this morning. Scott, how are you? Good morning. Glad to be with you. Morning, Scott. Before I get into, uh, well, Equal Rights Amendment and all, you're heading to Springfield now and uh, you always have a bill or two up for discussion. Tell us where you are in that right now. I have a lot of bills uh, that we're that we're working right now. I've, the file sitting on my desk, waiting to call in the floor of the Senate, uh, has to do with carnivals, which seems kind of strange. Uh, but the carnival companies are the ones that staff our local county fairs and local fairs. Um, and so, obviously, there was a really tragic story a few years ago out of Farmer City, where uh, one of the companies that was staffing us had some pretty. Um, uh, terrible characters, frankly, working around children. Uh, and these uh, two brothers eventually uh, hung out with a, a local uh, kid from Farmer City and then killed him. Um, this is because they simply weren't doing the background checks they were supposed to be doing. And so, uh, and my understanding is just a month later under a new name, that carnival company was hired by our local fairs uh, to, to run theirs. Um, so what we're trying to do is go after that and recognize, hey, we want to promote fairs. We want to see people go out with their families. They aren't going to do that if they think that uh, the pre- person that's uh, you know five feet from their children uh, might have some bad motives behind it. And it was a Senate bill that allows the Department of Labor to penalize and fine a person, firm, corporation, or other entity that owns or operates a carnival amusement park or fair that fails to conduct a criminal history check. I would think that that would be a thing, that there would already be looking into that. Well, the loophole that the this company found was they said, well, we'll do that for ride operators, but we aren't going to do that for the people that set up rides and things like that. Well, these two brothers in that case, in the Farmer City case, um, ultimately were not background checked, and they had uh, obviously very bad records and were very violent characters. Um, and they, the company said, well, they don't operate rides, so we didn't you know, background check them. In fact, video showed they were operating rides, and these are – frankly, you know, small operations. So many times the person they hire um, ostensibly to be just the, the behind the scenes people are also the ones handing out the stuffed animal to your kid uh, when, you know, they have a shortage or somebody calls in sick or what, what have you. Uh, so for that reason, if you're on the grounds, you're around, you know, children, you're around uh, uh, basically the public, we want to make sure you're the right person that we're inviting our communities. And that's how people are going to feel safer uh, going out to the fairs and promoting the agriculture that we're trying to do. Remarkably, there are no federal constitutional provisions that expressly guarantee equal rights to women and men. So you voted to change that. Tell us about the Senate Joint Resolution Constitutional Amendment to allow the ERA to the United States Constitution. I was a co-sponsor of this legislation, and that shouldn't be, uh, I can't understand why there weren't 59 co-sponsors in the state Senate. Uh, This has been a 50-year fight, uh, which... Um, you know, you, you just sit there and think this is we've been fighting about this for longer than I, I've been alive. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important to Illinois um, be a leader in this. So we show that we're progressive. This isn't just symbolic. It's also um, recognizing that whether it's pay in the workforce or in, in, in a myriad of other fields, um, there is an equality between the genders even today. And this would be a constitutional um, guarantee that that we would uh, recognize that's a problem and change that in the future. Isn't this scene is just symbolic, though? I, you know, the, 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 I hear many different timelines because, of course, the original timeline to get the constitutional amendment expired a long time ago. And then mm-hmm. the push now has been to get the federal government to expand it. Um, the, the, the problem is it's, it's chicken or the egg because in D.C. they're saying, well, you don't have enough states that passed it anyway. Right. Why are we going to spend our time extending a deadline that wouldn't mean anything? 
So in my mind, it's not symbolic because it's um, it's showing the federal government, hey, there are states still interested in this. We can get this done, uh, but you have to, you know, we need action on from both state and federal government. It's interesting that Dave used the word symbolic because in your release you said ratifying the ERA isn't merely symbolic or only a woman's issue. It is a necessary measure for Illinois to take to guarantee equality under the law for both men and women. So that, thank you for that. That sounds good. I'm glad I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Dave was, was, was giving me a softball on that. I appreciate how it. Many, <laughs> how many states are doing this? Do you have any idea? I don't know what the total number is now, but I mean, in the original, it, it shows you how much Illinois has changed, right? Because yeah. Illinois, um, I, I think they're within a few states of getting this done, and they did that in the the prescribed time period in the 70s uh they got that done so illinois at that point was obviously not seen as a very progressive state and votes no on I, I know it's got out of some chambers and then other years it can't get out of the other um but then of course now illinois is considered a, a, a blue or a liberal state so yeah. it's interesting that it's kind of how times have changed the muhammad aquifer and i know you're working with uh, we've talked to senator rose about it representative ammons it makes sense obviously clean drinking water <laughs> let's restrict what gets dumped in there are we putting tougher restrictions on companies who are dumping bad things into our water supply? Well, we are trying. Uh, we are, and I think I may have mentioned this the last month, month four. We've we've got what's called the Muhammad Aquifer Task Force, and this is a, it's a bipartisan group. It's got local. I mean, it's headed by uh, Champaign Mayor Deb Finan, uh, and so you know you, you've got what we've tried to do is put together experts from all the field. It shouldn't just be politicians. It should be scientists. Well, I know the Prairie Research Institute at U of I is doing a lot with their water survey to give us actual facts. What we're trying to figure out is don't make it that I'm writing laws based on, you know, an urgent call that I got, which may or may not be um, a credible threat. I want the best minds in the room. I want them to tell me what the threat is to our water. This isn't a partisan fight. As, as you stated, this is a, I mean, Senator Rose and I were the co-sponsors of the task force uh, in the Senate. And then of course, Representative Ammons in the House. Um, and, and, Figuring that out, putting the, those best minds in the room to tell us what needs to be fixed for next, that, that's, I think, what's going to get us kind of ahead of the curve on this instead of 10 years behind and saying, now we've been putting this stuff in. It's just kind of a nasty substance. We should probably talk about legislation that stops that. That is obviously the wrong, the wrong uh, time sequence to get this, this thing right. Well, isn't that what was going on over at Clinton in the first place? Weren't they trying to dump PCBs in that landfill? And yeah, the, essentially, you know, we had a small county that needed the money, and, and a landfill company comes in and says, you know, we've got a big contract for you. Yeah. Let us store some pretty nasty stuff. It's in the middle of a rural area. There's not many people. Um, the problem is, you know, you can't just say, well, it's only a, a DeWitt County issue because that same water source, it's an underground river, which is where we get our water, mm -hmm is like all of East Central Illinois. So what you do in Clinton affects the water that comes out of my tap in Champaign. So we should all be at the table. And that that's one thing about the task force is you've got people from all over. Uh, and I feel bad for them. Some of them drive several hours to go to these meetings, um, but they're definitely motivated. And, and it's not just a Champaign issue. Um, if we're gonna you know, continue to, to water is gonna be, in my opinion, um, the, the next big crisis, you know, and out West, it's going to be the supply, just getting enough water. Uh, and in, out, in our area, it's protecting it, making sure we're not um, exporting it out to the West, right, and losing it, and also protecting the clean water we have. Yeah, if you look at the ag wires now, everything that happens out West is dependent on water. And then you look here, we've got floods and all kinds of things going on. We've got too much water most of the time. That's but right. It's still something to think about. You know, here in Illinois, we may not have that forever. You certainly so. can't take it for granted. And the problem, yeah. you know, even out west, what they've learned is, you know, when you start to talk about it, when you see a problem, it's it may be too late. So yeah. we got to get in front of that curve. 
We hear you um, and your colleagues talk a lot about uh, funding for the U of I, which of course is vital, our biggest employer in this area. But one of the things that caught my attention is you're announcing uh, $2.1 million in new funding for Danville School District 118. So you are focusing, I mean, we we talked to you about Champaign-Urbana, but tell us about this boost in funds for Danville. This is what came out of, you know, the last three years of of fights, largely led by Senator Andy Menar from the Springfield area, um, about uh, school equity and funding from the state. A lot of our funding for our schools comes from local property taxes, but there's a, a sizable amount that comes from Springfield, which had a formula that divided that up that was really out of date, about 30 years old. Um, and what it did was it kind of punished the poor schools and benefited the wealthier schools. So you had suburban schools that had, you know, uh, reserves of $60 million. And then I had schools in my district where the teachers are buying all their own school supplies. Um, that doesn't make any sense in the same state. And so this is trying to redistribute that, some of that little bit of new money. It's making sure that every school gets the same amount uh, that they got last year, but now there's additional money on top, which is distributed by um, basically need and, and, and uh, wealth in their district. So areas like Danville and, and my rural uh, schools in Champaign and Vermilion counties, obviously, you know, their home values aren't, aren't, aren't valued as high as you would in, say, West Champaign. Um, and so they need a little extra help from the state because they're not getting it from local property taxes. Did Senator Menar get pushback from this kind of equity? A, a ton. Uh, you could imagine a that the, the very – there yeah. there are winners and losers, right, and, and under the old system. And, you know, everybody recognizes, hey, it would be nice to help. The, those schools that are on the losing side that are doing so poorly. But you can imagine there's a lot of uh, wealthy schools, including those that uh, had $60 million reserves that wanted to add to that, wanted to increase their advantages. Why should you care, listeners? Uh, it's because your kids are applying for the same college spots as the kids in those schools uh, and, and eventually will be applying for the same jobs in the same economy. So you don't want to allow that kind of a disparity in advantages here. We want to be one state. We want everybody to have an equal footing. It shouldn't matter what zip code you're born in. I feel that J.B. Pritzker said something similar to that recently. He is all for school equity and things like that. Do you suppose he's the next governor? It, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, there's always time to, uh, in every campaign, to screw things up, but that campaign seems to be working very hard. Uh, I know JB was in Champaign just this weekend, um, so he's continuing to, to, to show, a, a show up around downstate, and uh, frankly, uh, the governor's had a lot of missteps. Uh, I, last time I saw JB, I said, you know, just the fact that our governor made the public statement that he's not in charge, I just hope I never hear you say that if you're the governor. We People elect someone looking for leadership and looking for a change uh, we don't want to hear at the end that well you know you don't have any power either if, you, if you're running for this make it count and do the right things speaking of screwing things up in this election sam mccann has announced he's running <laughs> that's oh. a great segue Dick. <laughs> i knew you'd <laughs> yeah sam that. mccann is uh he's a senator with with my with, with me and he and uh, uh governor rauner got off on a bad foot a few years ago and it uh, seemed to stay that way it, it never it? improved uh you know the governor spent a lot of money trying to, to beat him in a primary and uh there's been some bad blood ever since so apparently sam mccann's now running as an independent or uh, uh conservative it's a conservative like party that's right it's yeah. a new party uh and i don't know if if he is intending to win i don't know if he's thinking of as a you know, as, as payback. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to Sam about it, um, but there's certainly a lot of buzz about it in Springfield. I'm thinking he looked at Jeannie Ives' numbers and went, well, maybe there's something to this. That would give a lot of people encouragement. I mean, the idea originally is, well, it's hard enough to run against an incumbent governor. It's that much harder to run against a, yeah. a billionaire incumbent governor. But there's quite, you know, when the, I think there was 20,000 votes that separated those two. 
Um, there, there's no, there's no question. There uh, are some questions about the governor. Just as, I mean, to me, there's a real feeling of how it was for Pat Quinn in 2014, where you don't see his supporters really out. I didn't see a lot of Bruce Rauner signs out during the primary. So it might be that you know he's still got support, but it's not vocal support. And anytime you see that, there's an opportunity for an opponent or a challenger. Okay. I rest my case, Your Honor. State Senator Scott Bennett. Scott, thanks for your time this morning. We appreciate it.